welcome to Honest Money, your best guide to financial freedom. I'm Warren Ingram, the author of a few best-selling books, and I'm also an award-winning financial planner, and I've helped thousands of people on their journey to financial freedom. I'm not here to tell you what to do, but I am here to share my experience and the best ideas that I've learned, and I hope these ideas help you on your journey to financial freedom. We've got Esther Mukumbo back for episode three of the, of the podcast. Thank you so much for, for, for sticking around with us. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So, so today I thought we should talk about a, a tricky topic, uh, which is black tax. Um, it's interesting to me when we talk about black tax because firstly, I'm a white guy. So, so everyone looks at me and says, what do you know about black tax? But I think um, I've got a few comments to make and, then, and I'd love to hear your, your views. Uh, the, the first is that we've given it a name. You know, and, and tax never has a good name, right? So it's anything that where you attach, you know, if it was white tax or black tax or pink tax, the moment something is, says tax, everyone thinks it's a negative thing. Mm. And and I've heard uh, speakers about money in South Africa say that, you know, that's wrong. It's wrong to give it a name like that. It should be called Ubuntu because it's, a, it's not just a duty. It's also something that we might do out of love. Mm. Uh, and I think the other thing, because we're, we live in South Africa, we think all our problems are unique and, and that, you know, this is the only country in the world that has something like this. Uh, but but of course, it's not the truth. You know, around the world, this is something that that families struggle with everywhere. And and especially, you know, we would be surprised to know that in the first world, this is a bigger problem because kids aren't getting jobs once they're finished uh, university. And so they're staying at home longer. Maybe they maybe they want to stay at home longer. And then you have parents who's who's their own parents are living longer. And so the Americans call this the sandwich generation. And I think, uh, you know, it's, it's something that, uh, that, that will always be a difficult thing because you're dealing with money, yeah. you're dealing with family, and, and you're dealing potentially with boundaries. And, and I think the one thing in South Africa that is different to the rest of the world is we're also de- dealing with a lot of people who are the first generation of real income earners in, in, in their families. And so the expectation on them is, is different, but, but the, the, the human dynamic is, is, is no different to anywhere else in the world. So, so I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, I mean, you, you've mentioned in a, in a previous episode that, that, that you had to deal with the, the, the black tax as well. So I'd love to hear about the journey around that, uh, how you, not how you got there, but, but how did you manage that? And how how did you deal with the, 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 the family's expectations of you? So for me, when I found myself as the only sole breadwinner in the family, I was the only one with a job. My parents' business had failed and uh, I was the only income earning uh, person in the family. I'm the oldest. I have, four, I have three siblings that were also dependent on me. Um, so in the beginning, I tried to compensate for having the income by trying to save everyone. So I would literally get into debt, get a credit card, buy things on there, get a loan to try and save the business, to try and save um, everyone. Until I realized that I was also now in debt. And I, it hit me when two weeks before payday, I was left with no petrol money. Um, I, I drove a little Mazda 2 and I couldn't get petrol to get to work, which is, I was reliant on the income. And I had to sit myself down and, and ask myself, I, I couldn't pour from an empty cup. I needed to first fill my own cup, get comfortable while still helping, of course, but I needed to first sort myself out, then continue helping. So how I did that is I set you know, my, my, my family down. I let them know fully what I was earning, um, though it was risky at the time, but I, told them, told, them? I actually told them, this is, this is what I'm earning. This is the things I'm taking care of. 
um, I'm now in a position where I'm, I'm literally about to sink if, if, we, if I don't change the way things are going. And my, my parents were very supportive. Um, I think for me it was realizing that, you know, I had to now assist my brother to get a bursary uh, through, you know, my contacts, networks. So that helped in terms of the education. I was able then by helping him get a bursary through my contacts and connection and asking people, I was able to breathe a little bit easier because he got a, a scholarship and a bursary. Um, where I couldn't help, I was very specific. Um, I could tell my immediate family that I could not help. Um, my extended family as well, because there's also that obligation to help out, you know, the grandparents um, when possible, because they're obviously old. And to realize that I, I, I could help out when I could, but when I couldn't, I, I just couldn't. And ex to explain the reasons why. Some people understand, some people don't. But for me, it's it's knowing that I'm in a position to help, which is a privilege in this country. If you're able to help, do it. And in my situation, I knew I had to do it. I had to help my siblings because I knew they were smart. I knew they just needed an opportunity. And someone else had given me an opportunity. I wanted to give that opportunity back to my siblings and my immediate family. So in, in, in helping my brother get a bursary, I was able to give him an opportunity. So for me, wherever you can and you're able to give the opportunity, but first allow yourself to recuperate. Don't overextend yourself in the name of helping everyone out. Set the boundaries. Know when you can help. Where you can't help, let them know. And say maybe for the next two months I won't be able to help. But in the third month when I have, I will definitely be able to help. And keep them updated as you go, as the months roll, as it gets closer to say, listen, I'm still on track. I'll be able to help. Where you can't, you can't. And I think it's, it's, it's very important to set those boundaries. Don't get yourself into debt um, trying to help everyone and anyone. Help where you can, where you can't, let people know. It, it reminds me of uh, when, when you get on an aeroplane and they, they give you that demonstration about when the oxygen masks drop from the top of the aeroplane, put the mask on yourself first. And I think it's exactly that. And I always think it's a strange thing to say to someone, you know, say to a mother, help yourself before you help your child. Yes. But but if you're starving uh, of oxygen, uh, you, you can't help your child. Yes. And, and, so you, and so two people die. And, and I think it's the same with this is, uh, you know, understanding that by looking after yourself, you're not being selfish. Uh, you're, you're giving yourself the best chance to help your family and the people around you for as long as possible in the best way possible because it's it's pointless being able to help everyone with every need for two years and then you're all back in, in, in an even bigger problem than, than when you started. So, so I think that that's a it's a it's a tricky one to uh, to, to deal with because of course there there are a lot of emotions involved and and people are not just expecting help because they're lazy mm. they're expecting help because they're in real trouble. Mm. I, I think I think for me it's realizing listen I was the first I was the first uh, born I'm the first born in my family and I'm the first um, member of my family to get a degree and to get a good job as a graduate, as a working professional. So there is that expectation. And um, I'm, I was very much aware that what needed to be done. I was very much aware that I needed to give back. But at, at the same time, I needed to pace myself. As the first graduate working in my, in my family, I had to pace myself. I knew that my siblings were also going to come up and, and help. And we're very close with my siblings, so we could have that discussion. And when finally all of them, you know, um, they're all th three of them have now got degrees. Yeah. 
they are working. And now we're able to, the four of us as siblings, we're now able to help out, out our family because my mom and dad don't have a pension. So we are their pension plan. Unfortunately, it's, 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 it's our country. It's the way, um, you know, it's the way, it's the makeup of our country. We have that obligation. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, we are in a position to help my parents. And we love helping them out because we know what they, the sacrifices they made. I mean, to get me into, into you know, University was was a big milestone for them. I was a fir I was a first degree holder in my whole generation of um, of my family. I'm the f I was the first person to get a degree, which was such a big fit. And they they overcame so much to put me into into varsity. They sacrificed so much. So for me, it wasn't it was a no brainer to say I have to give back to them. But in to manage how I do it um, so that I'm also able to to survive, to sustain myself, but still give back. And I think what, what, one of the themes uh, uh, through your conversation or through our conversations has been around control. And this is a different kind of a control, isn't it? It's about controlling yourself uh, and, and then also controlling expectations from your from your family. And I think it's it's something that, that I've, I have said to a few people in the past uh, to say, you're the first person I've ever met that's actually done it, yeah. to say, show Show everyone. Show everyone what you're earning. Show them. Show them what comes in, because they might expect that that it's this massive amount of money, and they just think you're being difficult. But when they see the number, especially the after-tax number, right? Because that's what happens. All the money disappears to tax and, and deductions. Then then you can divide it up and say, well, you know, if there are 12 people in our in our broader family, and I've only got 10,000 rand after tax every month, how am I going to support everyone and and get my kids through school and the like? We're, we're going to have to make some some choices here. So so I think that that. that that, that part about bringing everybody in to your decision-making and sharing with them, it's not just sharing the money, it's sharing the responsibility Correct. and a, a case of saying, we can make some informed decisions here. Mm. I can do this or I can do that. I can't do both. Mm. And, and maybe allowing people to help, help you, I guess, as well, because as much as you're helping them, they need to help you with the decisions around that. Correct, correct. It's, it's, it's a two-way street. It's not a one-way street. It's a two-way street. We're in this situation. How do we move ourselves forward? We're in this situation where for generations we, we, we haven't had. And now all of a sudden we have one person who's working, who's able to provide. Let's get this person sorted so that she is then he or she is then able to help others. But doing doing it in a managed way, in a way that doesn't make the other person go under in the process. Um, yeah. And I think, uh, I mean, one of the things that's, that's a really sad uh, statistic in our country is that suicide rates amongst uh, gra graduates who are the first in their family are incredibly high. And I think it's this issue. It's yeah. this issue of that there's so much pressure, there's so much expectation. And I think as families, maybe we need to be more aware of that, that, that pressure we're putting on you know, children who've gone through school, got to university, started work, mm -hmm. to say, well, uh, you know, we're all in this together, and and you're not alone. The fact that you are now working, and you, you, you know, yes, you know, uh, I mean, there 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 is a need here, but we can share the need and we can share the burden. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so powerful what you're saying. It must be quite um, empowering as well, in a way, to talk to your family about it and to take that burden off to say, okay, we're in this together. Mm -hmm. It's not just me having to provide, you know, and and let's get let's get forward. And it actually made our family grow closer, funny enough. Um, the fact that I was so transparent and honest in my dealings about what I was going through, what I was experiencing, 
what it was, the toll it was taking on me. Um, you know, I was able to rally my siblings. My siblings saw the hardships I faced. They were then able to ensure that in varsity, where they were, they were able to make sure they passed all their, all their courses because they knew it was do or die. It was either they make it through or there was no plan B. This was, there was only plan A and there was only plan A. If you didn't make it in varsity, unfortunately, then you would have to have found other options. So that also made, created the awareness and, and, and made us realize that we can pull through. And I look back now beca because, you know, everything went well. I look back now because it actually made us closer with my siblings. We're able to freely share in terms of our finances and move ourselves forward. I think there's usually a taboo about sharing your financial um, stuff with family. And listen, obviously you can't share it with everyone. You can't share it with, you know, you have to pick and choose who you're comfortable with to share. But I think as siblings, it's made us closer and we're able to share our financial journeys and say, okay, you know what, this is what we're working towards. Maybe let's work as a group. Um, like I said, we've come together for my parents to ensure that, you know, my parents, uh, we are our parents' retirement plan. So we've come together, grouped together on a monthly basis. We all contribute, um, the four of us, and contribute to, on a monthly basis towards my parents' retirement uh, plan because we understood what had to be done. So so let's not make it now about you because the next question might be a bit sensitive, but yeah. but, uh, but but let's just say, um, uh, you know, most of the time this, there, there could be one or both people going into marriage that have this responsibility mm. so so how do you how do you suggest people who are looking at this say how, do, how does the conversation work with your partner whether it's your husband or your wife and, and and there's this responsibility is it does it become part of your partner's responsibility as well or is it left to the husband or the wife whose parents need to be looked after mm. so you know at um so in in most of our black cultures you know when you're married, you're married into the family. <laughs> you take it's our the problem good, now. It's our problem. The good, the bad, the ugly, everything is yours. Um, so you have, you need to have that discussion as you, as you're dating, and you're thinking of your your future together. I think, you know, looking back, most people don't talk about finances. You know, you're in love and everything is going great. You don't really talk about the finances. It's just one small problem. It's just oh, yeah. at, the, at the back. Um, you know, we need to take care of a wedding or we need to do this together. Um, but I think it's very important to have that discussion as you're dating to say, listen, this is these are my financial obligations. And yes, we're going into a marriage, but they're not going to change. It, it comes as a package. I come as a package. And how do you both work around that? Um, if you both... Um, having to take care of of home in either side you need to decide when you're going to do it how you're going to do it it's very important to have that discussion as a couple otherwise as we know most of the financial problem most of the marital problems come from finances you know you you have to spend on this and that um looking back on how we did it for example is that we knew that we couldn't we couldn't have a white wedding and we were comfortable with it. We had that discussion. We couldn't have a white wedding. What we did have is a traditional wedding. And that took the pressure off of a white wedding because in, in our culture, we have the traditional wedding, then you have the, you have the white wedding and the traditional wedding. We, we decided to have one traditional wedding and not have the two weddings to cut out costs. But what we did is then 
we decided to take the deposit, um, that, that amount we would have spent on the white wedding and put a deposit towards our property, our first home as a couple. And that's the decision, the hard decision we had to make because we knew the, the pressures that were coming and that we had to take care of. Uh, I think the traditional wedding is probably much more fun than the white wedding anyway, so it's a good, good <laughs> <Definitely>. call. <laughs> so, so I think that, that, that's a really nice uh, point just to talk about around relationships and money. So, so we've been talking about, about uh, parents and siblings and, and the like, but actually you're right. You know, when, when you're getting into a serious relationship that looks like it might go some, somewhere around marriage, it's a great conversation to have. You know, it's a great conversation to say, uh, you, you know, these are my debt problems or, or not. You know, I'm in a good position. What are your debt problems? And I think you're right. We don't like to talk about it. You know, it's, it's a very unromantic thing to talk about money. Uh, and especially, uh, you know, if, if we are more traditional in our roles, you know, where the man feels like he has to be the provider, mm. I, think, I think the man should get over that. But, but that's <laughs> part of my view. But, but I think, uh, that, you know, that it should be a shared understanding long before we get into engagements and those kinds of things. And, and you know, if we look at divorce, you know, you know one in two marriages don't end well in, in the world. You know, South Africa is no different. And I bet that, that it's around half of those marriages fail because of money. Somewhere along the line, money is the cause or it's an additional pressure. And so dealing with that first as, as, a, as a couple and as a team, because that's what you've done, is you turned your family into a team and, and it should be no different between between a husband and a wife, you know, uh, or, or any kind of partnership that you that you look at this together and you say, right, we're in this together, we've got a plan, or we don't have a plan, because I think that's a scary thing, you know. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that that's always bad is when someone wants to overspend on cars or whatever it is, and the other doesn't, and that becomes a source of conflict, not a source of unity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you're right, you know, uh, the moment you make it a shared responsibility and a shared goal. There can be both. Mm. I mean, you're not saying in everything that you've spoken about, it's not saying sacrifice only. Mm. It's sacrifice something and reward yourself somewhere else. Mm. Mm. And, and it's, it's always this thing of having a purpose and a goal. So I'd like to think of money as a tool. Um, it's just a tool to get you to your goal to your what, whatever it is that you have, your vision or your goal. There's a vision and a goal, and money is just a tool. Um, you know, companies set goals and strategy and spend a whole day or a whole week strategizing about where the company is going. You need to have that for yourself, uh, yourselves individually and as a couple, because there, there is merit in having your own and then coming together and saying, okay, these are some of the things I want to do by myself, but as a couple, this is where we want to go together. And, and working as a team in ensuring you meet that goal and holding each other accountable. It's not a, it's not, you're not saying, I, I need to know everything you spend your money on. It's about saying, okay, this is what is important to me. This is what is important first as a couple, and this is what is important to me as an individual. But as a couple, this is where we want to go. We want maybe to get our kids into the best schools. How do we do that? How do we use money and how we're spending right now to, as one of the tools, as one of the instruments, what do we invest in to get us to the goal that we want to get to? And I think for, for us in the beginning, it's usually hard to have that conversation because obviously there's the romance, there's everything happening until you get into the marriage, for example. Then you realize, uh, oh my goodness, this is this is now real. Now we're in it. We're, now we're in it. I can't spend my money how I used to spend it when I was single. It's now it's the now two of us. us. It's yeah. now we and us. And how do we find a, a balance? I think the, the bottom line here is prioritize, share the goals, 
share the dreams and share the fears. And, and together, if you share those, whether it's in a couple or with a family, problems become much easier to handle. Th- thank you so much for coming. It was amazing. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Honest Money. If you have any questions, you're welcome to reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is at Warren Ingram. Don't forget to subscribe. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Chat soon.